And welcome, everybody, to The Whole Truth from the Bay Area, California. I am Steve Side. And from Atlanta, Georgia, I'm Kurt Dupuy. You like this intro, right? You Are you good with this from the Bay Area and then Atlanta, Georgia? You're good with the intro? Yeah, I think it's good that people know where we're from. I was listening to a couple of other podcasts, and it's really funny how they do the intro. Like, there's this... There's this Brooklyn Nets one I listened to. Yes, I'm a Brooklyn Nets, not just because they traded for James Harden. I've been a long-suffering New Jersey Nets fan since they— You started at Kevin Durant. Since they drafted, like, Derek Coleman in 1991, I think. Um, um, but, like, the, the one guy gets on the mic, and he goes, he goes, he goes, hello. You know, he's, it's, like, really funny. I think we've got a good intro. I just want to make sure we have a good intro. You know what I'm saying? Well, if I'm honest, our, our intro could use a revamp. It could? But okay, yeah, I think it's it's good, but it's not great. Okay, so we should think about a revamp since we're talking about this live. I mean, that's my real yeah. opinion. Okay, well, we'll have to we'll have to revisit it. I do like talking about the Bay Area, though. Um, anyway, we got a good one for you today. Good one. Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah we, we do. got Brian Darty on, social security expert. Really, really valuable. This is one of those episodes that no matter who you are, you're going to take something from. I need people like him in my life because social security, I, I mean, my I, my eyes begin to glaze over just as soon as you say those words and I know nothing about it. So to talk about a subject that I know nothing about with a guy that knows a ton about it is very refreshing. And we did this, you know, kind of via Zoom and he would almost like lurched out of his camera, which is typical of how he presents. The level of enthusiasm with this guy talking about social security is incredible. He's just, he's, he's knowledgeable and passionate about it. It's fun to watch. Yeah, we did. I think I referred to him as Matt Foley, like the Chris Farley character from Saturday Night Live that the motivational speaker, which was hilarious. Uh -huh. I hope he took that. And he did not take offense. I he don't didn't. Think. I don't know if he's seen it. Maybe he will. After. No, no, he leaned into yeah, it. Yeah, no, I yeah. mean, you can't, you cannot love that. But yeah, he brings a lot of excitement to the subject. The reason we have Mon is because it's super, super important and it's still a gap for most financial professionals out there. So we're going to get into that in a couple minutes. What, what Kurt and I are going to start with is a, a fun segment. So what we want to do is, what did we, what did we title this, Kurt? What did we call this segment? I'm going to call it because we really struggled with this. I'm going to call it two truths, one lie. Two truths, one lie. So what we did was come up with, with otherwise known as Steve and Kurt pretend they're on a date together. Okay. That, it's like, something I like two truths and one lie better. Okay. So we're going to re read three things and one of them is a lie and the other person's going to guess what it is. Do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Let me do mine first. Okay. Then. So so you're going to read three things. One of these isn't true. I have to guess what it is. Go ahead. Okay. Number one, I have trained for and completed a marathon. Okay. Number two, I have trained for and completed a triathlon. Number three, I have eaten a worm. That's good. I'm, I'm really proud of it, if I'm honest, because I mean- we're playing a chess match here. I'm very curious yeah. to see who's going to win. Um, I think the worm is true. So I think one of the other two is false. And the easiest thing to do would be to to get rid of the triathlon because that's the harder one. And it's more likely you didn't do that. That's going to be my guess. I think you've you've trained for and completed a marathon and you've eaten a worm. And I think you haven't done a triathlon. You're right. Is that right? Woo! Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Not for reasons that I think are accurate, because I think a marathon's harder than a triathlon. You it's have hard, to, man. That's big time. Well, you you have to distinguish. Are we talking sprint? Are we talking Ironman? Yeah. Are we talking traditional? You know, what, what, I'm not going to parse those out. But yeah, 2010, I think. 
I ran a marathon under four hours, quite proud of myself for that one. And on my bachelor party, we went fishing and the captain dared me to eat a worm. And obviously a group of dudes, I, I had to eat a worm. That sounds um, gross as So hell. I ate a worm. Wow. And I, but I, got, I got a hat out of it. So there's something. That's, that's, that's something else. <laughs> Okay. All right, give me my categories I get All to choose right, so from. So here's here's uh the categories and you can just choose this the whole okay. way. Uh concerts, favorite bands, jobs, injuries, embarrassing work issues, biggest regrets, oh embarrassing high school facts. Oh gosh. Th are those are pretty good categories, right? Those are great right? categories cuz I always like embarrassing you. I um, told you in a prior episode when you said something embarrassing that I had to come back in and do embarrassing stuff. So I will say there's some embarrassing throughout this. Assuming you pick those categories. You might just want to hear Okay. Yeah. I want the I want the was it embarrassing high school stories? The two embarrassed things that start with embarrassing are embarrassing work and embarrassing high school. I want embarrassing high school. Okay. Okay, let's see. For a thousand, Vanna. Item one, I failed gym class at one point in high school. Number two, I had multiple piercings on my body in high school. And item- I'm already giggling so hard. And item three, <laughs> I try, you know, it's funny. Somebody, so let me read the third one, then I'll make a comment. And three is, I had, for, I had my hair dyed bleach blonde for a considerable amount of time. Oh my gosh, this is hard. You know what's funny about these though? Like there was a bunch of them that I had to leave off because I was trying to do like <laughs> the worst things, but like I had to cross out some categories because it's like, I will get fired. So so number one is that I failed gym class. I love that just two of those are, are true. Uh, oh. Multiple piercings or dyed blonde hair. Gosh. Um, um, this is really tough. So, I mean, I'm just going to lay it out there. Yeah. You don't strike me as an overtly athletic person, but anybody could fail. Like they, it could just be, you know, some weird extraneous circumstance. Um, piercings in high school. That's, that's brave. The blonde, like I, I had bleach tips in, in high school or middle school. So that, that one, that one I feel like is true. So false, you didn't really fail gym class. That's, That's correct. Thing. That's right. You you got it right. So the truth yes. is, I actually was very athletic. I was a star baseball player in high school, and I played star baseball player. I was the captain of my high school baseball team, and a very very good. I played year round, traveled all over the country. Um, oh my goodness! Yeah. So I didn't um, know that about you. Yeah, the piercings were like everybody. Like we had a friend who worked for one of those things at the mall, and like just everyone. <laughs> and I had multiple ear piercings, which I took off uh, a long time ago. the The blonde hair was a baseball thing. Like we all just bleached the heck out of our hair as a team decision. And team unity. Huh? Yeah. And it was there for a really long time. I thought it was a really <laughs> good idea. You know, I thought it was a really, really good idea until um, I remember this girl saying when I finally just like, you know, let it grow out. And, and I think I might even die part of it back just because it was looking crazy. She's like, oh, God, thank God you did. Thank God you're back to that. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I did I did not fail gym class. Gym class, I was I was fine. At. Thank goodness. Yeah. Thank yeah. goodness. Wow. I did not expect us both to be completely right on those. I didn't, but honestly, I, I, I felt like I had a 50-50. Yeah. There, well, so me too. I think we both just guessed right. Me too. This is a fun yeah. segment. You like this? So we need to go to the casino now. Yeah. You know that's, me? well, mean reversion. So I hope we do segment two of this because I feel like I was prepared to do a lot more. But let's let's jump into Brian Doherty, the social security expert. And here's three things to really take away or look for um, 
it, you know, as you listen to Brian Darley. The first is how important it is to to have an expert or someone you can bounce specific cases off. There's a lot of little ins and outs. Very nuanced. The second is this restricted application strategy. When you find those in your book, they're gold. They're, there's a limited time for them left. But but it really is like a take action now, see if they're there, because if you can find them, clients will love you. And then the last thing is the, is the calculator, which we can give you access to through Brian. So anyways, um, we'll be back with our conversation with Brian Doherty. This is the whole truth. Stick with us. The views expressed herein are those of the participants and not those of Touchstone Investments. So we are absolutely delighted to have our good friend, Brian Doherty, social security specialist on here. And I'll start out, Brian, with a couple of thank yous. So first, thank you because I've been working with you. Touchstone's been working with you for a long time, and you've been an incredible partner. I will send him, you know, I I get some late West Coast request for for a social security uh, case. And I could send it to him. And the guy on like a Friday afternoon at like 6 p.m. will turn it around. Like he's the most responsive uh, partner I think I've ever dealt with. So I just, I want to start by saying thank you for being a great partner, Brian. Um, I appreciate that, Steve. And I've had him in Atlanta too. And you will not see a more passionate presenter, especially about a topic that not a lot of people get jazzed about, but it's important. And his enthusiasm is, is indicative of how important it is. Our clients love him and yeah, and we're happy to share share some time with him and um, talk about some social security. Yeah. You know, Kurt, when, when the expectations are so low to begin with, because people think social security, yeah, this is going to be really boring. Why do I have to come here? It's easy to exceed those expectations. And I, I always tell people, you know, I've been speaking for a while at the end of the day, you do have to entertain them too. No matter what you're talking about, you have to try to be entertaining. So I get a kick out of it when people say, wow, I didn't expect that, Brian. That was really great. So um, anyway, when you set the bar real low, it's easy to exceed it. Yeah, but you exceed it really well, Brian, because when when you're, I mean, you're sweating, (laughs) you're passionate, you're moving around. I mean, you're next level with that stuff. So it's always appreciated. It reminds me of the Saturday Night Live that was it Matt Foley with Chris Farley's like I've been downstairs in the basement <laughs> drinking coffee for for a day and then he comes out sweating and throwing stuff. For, anyway, you're not quite like that, but the energy I is wish fantastic. I, was. I saw that episode. That's where he's the motivational speaker, right? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I dare anyone to watch that and not laugh. Like even the funny things about those is you look at, you know, the, the characters that are in it with him, like. David Spade oh, can't yeah. not keep a straight face, even though he's, he's it's awful. just like the funniest thing. So we're going to jump right into it. The question is, it's not like you've always been a social security expert. So how did you even get into this? Like, talk a little bit about your background and when you even decided to go down this route. Yeah, that's that's a great question, Steve. Uh, uh, believe me, I never thought that uh, at one point in my life, this would be what I what I did, social security. Uh, in fact, for most of my life, most of my career, I knew nothing about social security. And it wasn't, you know, my last stint in corporate America was working at New York Life, which was a great job. I loved it, the best experience I had. In my last five, six years there, I travel all over the country and I was doing a lot of retirement income planning training to thousands of financial advisors. And at the time, I didn't know anything about Social Security, but I quickly realized that Social Security is going to be a really important part of every retirement income plan. 
So I decided I better learn some, something about this. And I started to do my own research. And from the moment I did, I was really blown away. I had no idea that Social Security worked the way it did, allowed people to do the things it allows them to do, and had all these great features to it. I'd go to all these big meetings, national conferences, all these outside speakers were there. Nobody at the time, this is like 12 years ago, talked about Social Security. So I realized that very few people, very few financial advisors knew much about Social Security. And again, I realized how important it was. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to go and educate people. And one of the things I decided to do was to write a book. I've never written a book before. I thought it would take me like six months. It took me over four years. Um, I didn't know if it was any good. It came out in 2015, and I was surprised that it won a couple of awards. It won the International Book Award as the best business personal finance book that year. I was blown away. You know, there were over a thousand entries from like 15 different countries, and my book beat them all, and also won the Eric Hoffer Award. So anyway, it's won a, a, a couple of awards. People always get kind of impressed when I tell them about that. And I usually do that when I start a presentation to get their attention. And then they, they tend to listen to me more. But uh, anyway, so that's that's basically how I came here. And I've been talking about it for 10 years now, exclusively about Social Security. And I got to tell you, usually every couple weeks or something, I learn something new about it. I mean, there's so much to it. And uh, it's a great program. And I, I I just want people to realize how great it is and also emphasize that they need to know what all their options are before they claim so they don't leave any money on the table. Well, and I should also say uh, the the book is fantastic. It's it's a you know, it's a fairly quick read but just so dense with practical information. Um, and we you know, we work with a bunch of different firms and some have different types of social security calculators or, or whatever, but any time that we've dug into them with Brian, we found either like really bad assumptions or like it's something that a third party or using someone like Brian has, has uncovered additional talking points at a minimum, but in some cases, extra dollars that, that can be realized by, by clients as well. Yeah. So in that vein, you've talked about this for a decade. You've written a book. You've traveled the country educating financial professionals about social securities and helping them it kind of empowering them to help their clients make better decisions. Let's start with kind of a recap of that decade of experience. Like what are, what are some of those really big gaps or misunderstandings? Yeah. You know, I think a lot of financial advisors are still intimidated by the topic because it's uh, it can be very complicated and complex. You know, there's a lot of moving parts. And I think the last thing that they want to do is advise somebody on when and how to claim social security, but they end up giving them the, the wrong advice or some misinformation because it's it's easy to do. I've done a lot of live presentations, not in the last year because of COVID, but I do some big meetings. There'd be 500 financial advisors in the audience and I'm on the main stage. You know, it's always a rush to get up there in front of 500 people and talk. And when I get done, you know, there's usually a break afterwards. And a lot of people, financial advisors will stand in line to ask me questions. But this is no exaggeration. At least half, if not more, of the questions I get from them are about their own personal situation. Because a lot of the financial advisors are older. You know, they're in their late 50s, early 60s. And they'll come up to me and they say, hey, Brian, that's great stuff. You know, if I was a young person, I'd use Social Security Prospect for new clients. But I'm kind of packing it in, man. And I don't want to really work that hard anymore, but hey, can you help me out with my situation? Here's my benefit. Here's my wife's. What should we do? So there's a lot of interest on their part 
for you know themselves and their personal situation because they're getting re ready to retire. Um, but I still think there's there's huge gaps in terms of knowledge in general in the industry on how to advise their clients on on what they should do, and that's why you know I realized early on I just had the book and I was I was going around talking about it. But people reading the book and financial advisors, they're not going to get done with it and say, okay, now I know what to do. Now I know what to, how to advise my clients. They're still going to need another tool. And that's when I started to develop the, the calculator. Because at the end of the day, they need to plug some information in a tool, and that tool tells them exactly what their clients should do. So you talked about how they always ask questions about themselves, but, but, but really, like, what are they missing? Like, what are mo you know, the, the average financial professional doesn't know these few things about it? Is it claiming strategies that still exist that, that they don't know about? Is it, um, I mean, I, I'll let you yeah, answer Yeah, you know, I, I think the, uh, I know there's that great claiming strategy, restricted application, but that's going to go away sunset in a couple years. I think they don't realize what a great program Social Security is all the time. And I, I bring this up in my presentation, especially in this incredibly low interest rate environment. Um, you know, nobody's going in the banks and putting money in CDs or very few people anymore. And even bonds, it's hard to get a, a decent rate of return on a bond these days. So rates are incredibly low. And I say, look, it, most people understand, and financial advisors too, that the longer you delay claiming your benefits, the bigger the benefit is going to be. But what I found is they don't understand by exactly how much. You know, they know, hey, if I claim it's 62, I'm going to lock into the smallest monthly benefit for the rest of my life. I can wait till 70 lock into the biggest benefit, or they can claim at any age in between. But the bottom line is that for every year that they delay claiming past age 62, their benefit is guaranteed to increase by 6 to 8% per year up until age 70. Now, I call that a risk-free guaranteed rate of return, 6 to 8%. In this incredibly low interest rate environment, where are you going to find a risk-free guaranteed return of 6 to 8%? Nowhere that I know of. And you know, Kurt and Steven, you don't lock into that for a few years. You lock into that bigger benefit for the rest of your life. And the other cool thing is this COLA option from Social Security, it's an incredible inflation hedge. I think it's the best on the street. And you can adjust that 6 to 8% for whatever the COLA increase was for that year. Let me give you a quick example. Let's say, I'm going to take you back to 2019. Let's say somebody was 66 years old back then. That's their full retirement age. They really don't need their Social Security income. Maybe they're going to work another year or they got enough assets. Anyway, they're going to delay at least one more year, all right? They're going to delay from age 66 to age 67. Just by delaying that one year, they get a minimum increase of 8%. Now, the call adjustment for that year, 2019, was 2.8%. You add that 2.8% on top of the 8%, that brings the total increase to 10.8%. Just by delaying one year, they almost, they almost increased their benefit by 11%. That's incredible. Now, let's say they get to age 67 and they're like, you know what, I still don't need the income. I'm going to delay one more year. Now it's 2020. They get another minimum increase of 8%. The COLA increase last year was 1.6%. That brings the increase up to 9.6%. So look, at just by delaying two years, they increased their benefit by over 20%, and they locked into that for the rest of their life. I tell people everywhere, it's incredible. Yeah. It's the best deal on the street, certainly in this country. You know, And whenever I do that, whether I'm talking to financial advisors or I'm in front of clients, they're looking at me like, 
that really is a good deal. They haven't looked at it that way. You know, that's one of the basic things. Everybody gets the same COLA percentage increase. It doesn't matter when you claim your benefits, but if you apply that same percentage to a bigger benefit, it results in bigger dollar increases every year for the rest of your life. I got a real simple chart, Kurt and Steve, in my presentation that shows you how dramatic your benefits can increase over time with even marginal rates of inflation, two or two and a half percent. And you know what? For women, they should really consider this more than any, anybody else because women live longer than men. It isn't even close. They're gonna, they have a, such a high probability of living into their late 80s and early 90s that they should take full advantage of this COLA and getting that percentage increase on the biggest benefit possible so that they receive the biggest benefit uh, pay raises over their lifetime. I'm always struck by how counterintuitive what you just said is for people to actually apply. They think, hey, well, I got, I got to get it at 62 because I don't know what's going to happen. I may, I may be gone by 65. I got to take it now while I can. And you, know, you, you do a great job of displaying the math behind why that might not be a really good assumption. So not only do you get the increase, but you know, if you're 62, your chances of making it later in life are much better. But I, I, I'm always kind of combating that with financial professionals to say, no, you got to take it when you can get it. If we look at men and women in this country, life expectancy, their combined life expectancy is age 78. And I think it's been my experience that most people think they die by age 78. That's not it. Life expectancy is simply a statistical term. It's a mean average. And what it means is that 50% of people will die before that age, but 50% of people will live up to and beyond that age. I tell financial advisors and clients, look, if you're doing any kind of planning, retirement income planning, it's a 50% probability of something happening, you living up to and beyond age 78, you should plan on that happening. But there's a second aspect of life expectancy that hardly anybody knows and it blows people away. And that is the longer you live, the farther you push out your life expectancy. I got a cool chart in the book and in my presentation. You know, a 65-year-old man, if a man lives to age 65, he pushes his life expectancy out to age 84. The woman pushes her life expectancy out to age 86, and there's a 50% probability that one of them will live to age 90. And I always make a joke, usually the audience, if it's financial advisors, three-quarters of it at least are, are guys. And I say, hey, guys, I got some bad news for you. If anybody's going to live to be age 90, it ain't going to be you. It's going to be all the women in this room because women overwhelmingly outlive men. If you look at the number of men and women alive at age 85, there's twice as many women alive at age 85 than there are men. There's three times as many women alive oh, wow. in their 90s than there are men. And if you go back to the 2010 census, and I just checked these figures again last week, there were 53,000 people in this country age 100 or older. 44,000 of them were women. Women overwhelmingly outlive men. And you know what? Social Security is a bigger issue for them because they collect benefits for a much longer period of time than men do. And if you're a married woman, at some point in your life, that survivor benefit is going to end up being critical in you maintaining your quality of life and standard of living because husbands overwhelmingly predecease their wives and they ought to make sure that they maximize the size of that survivor benefit so they get the biggest check possible after their husbands die. So I, I, I want to cover restricted application in a second, um, because even though it's going away, it's just completely magical when we make it work for people. But I, I completely agree with what you said about it being an amazing deal on the street and, you know, the weight and the rate of return. 
And I think people probably hear that and they go, okay, the government's paying out all this money and the government can't pay its bills now. Is Social Security going to go away? So I, you must get that question a lot. How do you address that? Yeah, that's overwhelmingly, whenever I do a webinar, a live presentation, open up for questions, that's usually the first one I get. And, you know, it's like young guys like you, you're, you guys are decades younger than me. I run into them all the time. They'll say, oh, I should get that book for my parents, but it isn't going to be around when I retire. I go, oh, yeah, it is. And you're going to be real happy it is. Um, so here, here's the deal. I talk about, first of all, the worst case scenario. What's the worst thing that could There is a long-term funding issue for Social Security, right? What's the worst thing that can happen if the government doesn't do anything to address that? You know, they can't get together, compromise, and fix the system. Well, Social Security has trustees, and they come out with a report every year. And the last report, they came out... And they, they'll tell you what will happen if they don't do, don't, don't do anything to fix the system. If nothing happens, they don't fix the system, then in the year 2035, they'll have to reduce everybody's benefits by about 22%. 22%, 2035, everybody gets 78% of what they thought they were going to get. Now, once they do that, and this usually surprises people, Social Security is on sound financial footing, can meet all its benefit obligations through the year 2094. 2094, almost into the next wow. century. Now, Kurt and Steve, that's the worst thing that can happen. Now, they also tell you the, thing, the, the simple things. The math, believe it or not, is simple. It may not be easy because it involves some increases in taxes. But then they'll tell you the simple things that can be done to fix the system, shore it up for the next 75 to 100 years without any benefit cuts. Now, one of the things I did a couple years ago, I had a really smart guy, Bruce Chevelle, who was uh, ex-head actuary at Social Security, ex-head actuary at New York Life. He's an MIT grad with a degree in actuarial science. He's a math genius. I said, Bruce, let's look at some of the stuff that they recommended and come up with a plan. So <clears throat> what we did was we looked at that FICA tax, right? We all pay the FICA tax. It comes out of our paycheck every time we get paid. It's 6.2%. Well, not only do you pay it, but your employer does too. So if we increase the FICA tax to 7%, Okay, so from 6.2 to 7%, 80 basis points, that resolves about 50 to 60% of the long-term funding issue. The other way, to the quickest way to get it done would be the earnings cap. I believe this year, 2021, once you make over $142,000, they stop taking out that FICA tax, okay? Well, there's only 6% of all wage earners in this country that have earnings that exceed $142,000. So 94% of people pay FICA taxes on all their earnings. If we were to increase that earnings cap to four or $500,000, along with the 80 basis points increase in, in FICA taxes, you resolve the long-term funding issue for the next 75 to 100 years with no benefit cuts. Now, Stephen Kurt, I know some of you and some of your listeners might be saying, hey, I don't want, after 142000 I don't want them to keep taking out that 6.2%. I go, yeah, neither do I. But you know what? You won't like it when it's happening, but you'll like it when you go to retire and claim your benefits because your benefit is going to be so much bigger because of all those additional FICA taxes you paid. And one of the reasons they put that earnings cap in to begin with, they didn't want people making over $100,000 a year from Social Security. I say, let them make over $100,000 a year. You know, they paid all those FICA taxes if it shores up the system with no benefit cuts. So, but... Bottom line is, worst case scenario, yeah, a 22% uh, you know, benefit cut, and then they're good through 2094. 
Excellent. So Brian, let's let's circle back to that restricted application concept, which I just described as magic. Uh, tell us about it, um, what it is, how long it's going to last, and can financial professionals still take advantage of it right now? Yeah, I still run into it all the time. You know, it's been my experience. People that have accumulated assets and savings, they tend not to claim their benefits early. And so with restricted application, you know, there used to be this great, um, this other cool claiming strategy called file and suspend. Well, the government took that away in 2016. As of May 1st of 2016, if you didn't use it, it was gone forever. And I think as a result of taking that away, most people think that all these creative strategies are gone. But no, the restricted application is still around, but you have to be qualified to use it. You had to have been born before January 2nd of 1954. And if you're born before that date, I tell financial advisors all over the country, you know, this is your, your biggest call to action, the sense of urgency. Go back, identify all your clients born before January 2nd, 1954. Contact them, ask them one question. Have you claimed your benefits yet? If they say no, you say, stop everything. Come on in here and talk to me. I need to show you this incredible strategy. I can't tell you how many people I've showed it to, and they don't believe it. They're like, why would Social Security let you do this? Why would they let anybody do this? And I have to tell them, well, you're qualified to use it. You might as well take advantage of it. And this strategy could pay them. I've done it for married couples where it pays them an extra $70,000 in Social Security income before they reach their 70th birthday. I mean, I'm not talking about living to age 90, 95, or 100 before their 70th birthday. And if they don't do it before then, they're going to miss out on all that extra income. So... Real quick, here's how it works. Say you have a husband and wife. Let's just say the husband was born before 1954. The wife can be born after that date. And, and if only one of them was born before that date, they can still use it. So ideally, if the husband has the bigger benefit, that would be the best way to use the strategy. So, so what would happen would be the wife would claim her benefit, whatever her age is, you know, 62 to 70. She'd claim her benefit first. She has to. And then the husband, as long as he's at his full retirement age or older, he can claim and restrict his benefit to only a spousal benefit. And that entitles him to get 50% of his wife's full retirement age benefit amount. Let's say the wife had a full retirement age benefit of $2,000. So that means the husband can get just a spousal benefit starting at $1,000 a month. And while he's receiving those spousal benefit payments, hopefully over the next three or four years, so that'd be twelve grand a year, thirty-six to forty-eight thousand uh, dollars. He still delays his own benefit, and that grows by that minimum of eight percent per year up until age seventy. Then at age seventy, he switches to his maxed-out benefit, and he's going to receive that for the rest of his life. And he's also maxed out the survivor benefit. But while he's waiting to do that, he can receive thirty to fifty thousand dollars in spousal benefit payments. It's unbelievable. And people, when I get done with it, they say, Brian, you're like creating income out of the air. You're just out of the air. How, why would they let you do that? How can it be legal? I go, I don't know, but it's legal. You might as well go get it. And every month that you wait, <laughs> you're losing money. So come on. Yeah. If you're, if you're listening to this show right now and you don't, you haven't done this, go through your book, figure out who's been born before January 2nd, 1954 and see if they've claimed when we find these cases, it's it's amazing. It's like finding free money. That spousal benefit payments, and I, and, I, and a special thank you. Yeah, a special thank you. I did this for my parents, Brian, after working with you, 
And they were like, you know, cloud nine. Uh, you must so be their favorite son mom now, Steve. So your, mom, your mom's talking <laughs> to you again that, now. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Brian, I'm going um, to get you fired up because it's not hard to do. Uh, but also, this is a subject that I know you like to get fired up about. Let's talk about how the Social Security office gets stuff wrong um, and, and, and how – Maybe they don't always give out the best information. Yeah. In fact, Kurt, yeah, I just, I just, I'm in the process of finishing a new presentation that I've, I've put together, and it's called The Three Common Massive Myths About Social Security That Cause Even Smart People to Make Bad Decisions. And the third myth is the biggest and most dangerous myth. And this myth is Social Security customer service employees know what they're talking about. That's a myth. And I've experienced over the last 10 years myself, you know, I've, I've literally advised well over a thousand clients and individuals and married couples and widows and divorcees on when and how to claim their benefits. And sometimes, you know, they'll go into the local Social Security office and then they'll get back home and they'll call me on the phone. And from the minute I answer the phone, I know they're kind of ticked off at me. And I said, all right, what happened? They said, well, we went into the Social Security. We showed them what you told us we can do. And they said, we can't do it. And then I say, yeah, all right, well, <clears throat> they don't know what they're talking about, but I do. And then it sets them off again. They're like, Brian, wait a minute. They work here. They got their computers. They got access to everything. I go, yeah, you would think they know what they're talking about, but a lot of times they don't. It happens all the time. And people end up losing out on a lot of money in terms of lost benefits and sometimes, you know, over your lifetime, it can be hundreds of thousands of dollars in lost benefits. And a lot of times I have to twist their arm and say, look, if you need to go back in there, schedule another appointment, ask for the ma manager, tell them, look, I know I can do this and I want it set up today. And then they'll usually call me back afterwards and say, you were right, Brian. But so that's anecdotal information. You know, there's another best-selling author out there. He's a college professor with a Ph.D. in economics. And he's been doing this for a while, just like, like me. And he estimates that 50% of the time, Social Security customer service employees give out wrong information or misinformation. Uh, there's another wow. expert. Incredible number. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. And there's another expert that says um, every year people leave $10 billion of lost benefits on the table because they don't know all their claiming options and Social Security doesn't make them aware of it. All right. So... This is all, hey, these are smart people, right? And uh, they're making estimates. Is there re really any factual evidence? Well, yeah, there is. It's an internal audit that Social Security did on its own customer service employees. This is really scary, okay? Uh-oh. <laughs> so they published the results of this two years ago in 2018. Now, keep in mind, Kurt, Steve, every month, 65 million people get a Social Security check, okay? 65 million. What they did was they looked at a small sample of a little over 13,000 cases for widows and widowers. And what they concluded was that in 82% of those cases, their customer service employees gave out wrong or misinformation. 82% of the cases, over 11,000 of those 13,000 cases gave out incomplete or wrong information. And it cost these widows and widowers over $142 million in lost benefits, $142 million. Wow. Now, here's the kicker. Here's what really upsets me, should upset you and everybody listening. They, they published the results two years ago. 
They know they shortchanged all these widows and widowers over $142 million. They haven't done anything. They haven't done anything to make these people whole, which to me is unconscionable. If, if any the companies you worked with were to do that, shortchange their customers $142 million, at the very least, they'd make you pay that back, and then they'd probably fine you hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars. And so I tell people all the time now, you need to know what all your claiming options are. You can't count on Social Security to tell you, and if you do count on them, chances are you're going to get wrong information, and you're going to leave a lot of money on the table in terms of lost benefits. So this is like like physical well-being, financial well-being. You know, you have to be your own best advocate. So whether you're, you know, financial professional advising clients or a, a, a client yourself, you've got to educate yourself on this, know what you're talking about to the extent that you can fight for your own self-interest. That's that's a really important lesson. I got a couple of questions based on that, uh, Brian. So first, I know that you've been on the phone with people from Social Security when they're giving out wrong information. And so when the when the person who's working with you puts the social security person on the phone, what do you say to them? Steve, the social security customer service person will not come on the phone. They won't go on the phone with me. And so I have to coach the person. You know, they're they're mad and I say, "Look at ask for the manager." You know, managers are usually more knowledgeable. They've been there for a while, more experienced. Show them what I what I I gave you, you know, the printout and tell them this is restricted application or whatever it is, and I know I can do it, and I want you to set it up for me today, and I'm not leaving until it gets done. And sometimes you have to do that. And, um, you know, they come back and they say, Brian, you were right. I go, you know, so, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, sometimes when they first call me, they're saying nasty things about me, you know, like I thought you knew what you were talking about, <laughs> this and that. And then they get done. One guy, I saved him over $53,000, right? And uh, he was really yelling at me on the phone. And then I convinced him to go back in. He comes back. You were right. I go, yeah, you had some really nasty things to say about me before. I go, um, he goes, yeah, I'm kind of sorry I said those things, Brian. I go, yeah, well, do you, do you think it was worth your time and effort and money that you paid me? He said, absolutely. But um, anyway, it happens way too much and it's uh, it ain't right. It's probably better that you don't actually get on the phone with them because they'd flag your, they'd flag you. Like you're, you'd have to have a burner phone because if, if the social security office knew your number, they wouldn't answer the phone yeah. when you called. <laughs> I know they probably. But the takeaway is, the takeaway is also for those that don't have Brian on the phone is ask for the supervisor and you know be prepared, know what you can do. You know Brian's calculator, which we'll talk a little bit more in a second. It lays it all out for you, so you know the information you have is right. Ask for the supervisor if you get if you get that wrong information. Yeah, you know that's I, I I wrote a little article about that. That's one of the things I say. It it's lucky these people had me as a resource. Most people don't, and they walk out of the office thinking that Social Security customer service employees know what they're talking about. And as a result of that, they missed out on a lot of benefits, and it happens way too much. And that's where you know, your financial advisors you work with, I strongly encourage them to work through you guys to get access to my calculator because we'll make sure that they're aware of all their claiming options and don't leave any money on the table. And there's one other thing I want to add about that, and I write about this too. You know, the FICA taxes that we all pay, if you earn a, a decent living, over time, you're going to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars in FICA taxes into the system, right? Not only you, but for every dollar of FICA tax that you pay, your company has to match it. 
So whatever you pay, double it because your company matches it. And it could easily be many hundreds of thousands of dollars over your lifetime when you go to claim your benefits. I tell people, look at, don't you deserve to get every dollar of benefit you, you're entitled to? Because you've already contributed into the system hundreds of thousands of dollars. You should be able to get it back in the most efficient and effective way possible. So you need to make sure you know all your claiming options and you do that. And working through you guys and, and using my calculator, we'll make sure of that. Okay, so we've, we've covered several, I think, really crucial points here. First, restricted application, if, if that's viable for your clients, it's something you should definitely take advantage of. We talked about the book um, and your, your presentation and how you help educate and coach financial professionals and their clients on the best claiming strategies available to them. Uh, but really where the rubber meets the road is this calculator that you have built from the ground up. Tell us about that. Tell us more about that generally, but then also specifically, like what what can we tell people to input into this calculator to give them the best options? Yeah, so the, the calculator is really simple to use. There's only a few basic pieces of information. All we need are dates of birth, if they're married, you know, dates of birth for the husband and wife, uh, their Social Security full retirement age benefit amount, which they can get right off of their statement, and then also their marital status. Are they married? divorced, widowed, or, or single. And that's that's all we need. You know, when I was first looking at developing this, I, I looked at some other social security calculators. And one of the things that a lot of them have in common is they ask you to pick the day or the year you think you're going to die. Morbid. <laughs> Based upon that, they'll tell you what the best claiming strategy is. Now, going back to the actuary that worked with me that <clears throat> proofread my book and stuff, I asked him, I said, Bruce, have you seen these calculators where they ask the husband and wife to pick the year they think they're going to die? He's, yep. I go, what's the probability that they're right, that they're both right? He said, it's less than 1%, Brian. So I said, so oh, wow. there's then there's a 99% probability that the, the specific claiming strategy that they pick will be wrong because they're not going to get the, the years that they die. He said, yeah. I said, you're a math genius, man. That doesn't sound very smart to me. He goes, no, it, it, it really isn't. And based upon that, we took that totally out of the equation. And uh, I like that. Yeah, so you're, you're doing yeah. the math around what you know, not about what you think you might want to try and probably right. predict. You know, that's that's makes much more sense to me. Yeah. Is it mostly people submitting to you to run cases or are they doing them on their own? Uh, overwhelmingly, they submit it to me to, to run the cases. And uh, I, I really like doing it. And, you know, I've, I've done it for both you guys. And I'll, I'll send it to you, send it to the advisor. And then we even get on the phone with the advisor and their clients and, and help the clients make uh, the best decision for their personal situation. And that's really where the rubber meets the road, you know, helping the client explaining there could be up to three suggested claiming strategies, help them pick the, the best one for their situation. And I think that's where we can really add some value you know, to make the financial advisor look good by bringing these services to their clients. And the other thing, Kurt and Steve, that blows me away is that really, uh, you know, some really wealthy people are really interested in making a good Social Security claiming decision. I think I think everybody is, but I was really surprised that sometimes I'll get done with a financial advisor. He'll, he or she will call me back, says, Brian, they loved it. Oh, by the way, they got $15 million with me. They got $20 million in assets with me. I was like, why do they even care? I mean, Social Security. <laughs> they go, you know, you don't understand. 
This is what they've done all their lives. They've made good money decisions, and they want to make a good decision when it comes to claiming Social Security. Blows me away. One of the other things that we spend a good amount of time talking through is, you know, the cases that are outside of the normal. So can you talk about some of those special situations? I know there's a lot of them, so I won't ask you to be exhaustive, but what are some of the other special cases that people bring to you? The only thing I'd say, you know, there's, I mean, if we're getting into all this stuff, we could be on the phone for three, four, five hours. You know, there's all kinds of options that divorced spouses have and widowed spouses, especially widowed and widowers. Make sure you know all those options. There's things you can do. Claim a survivor benefit first, your own benefit later, all that stuff to maximize it. The point of emphasis is know these options before you go to claim. All right. And if you don't know all your options, chances are you're not going to get all the benefits you're entitled to. And you're going to leave some money, maybe a lot of money on the table, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars over your lifetime. So know all your options before you claim. Awesome. Well, thanks, man. It was really, really great to have you on the show. Um, And we will uh, come back next with our Costanza Corner. This is the whole truth. Stick with us. And welcome back to our Costanza Corner. Kurt, you've got something for us today, right? I think so. It's been a really big deal in my family. So as of Tuesday of this week, um, and my folks are split. So we're talking about three different sets of grandparents. So the generation ahead of us all have received their COVID-19 vaccinations, which, um, yeah, I'm really, I'm really happy about, um, just great, great side of relief getting, getting that RDNA in people's bodies and get it, get it working and get them some immunity. Are they all in Georgia? No, they're not. No, none of them are in Georgia. We got Virginia, Louisiana, and Florida. Wow, you guys are getting them Three out sets. much quicker than than us. My dad is in Florida, has been up and awake with neighbors at 5 a.m. on multiple mornings trying to log into, you know, Publix and various websites to find spots. Because you can imagine, I mean, Florida, the supply-demand uh, relationship It's the Wild is, West uh, down there. <laughs> all I know is I'm like last on the list. That's all I know. That's all I know. Actually, this is a good little tidbit. Yeah. Apparently, folks in financial services yeah. are moved from a level five, which is the lowest, up to a level four. Look at that. I have no... I don't know if that's true, but it's something I've heard, so I'm sticking with it. And uh, why not? <laughs> I, I think it's like one of those like threat level oranges with like the Homeland Security. Like you don't know what it is, but you know it means something. You yeah, know? yeah. My favorite was Ron White's like disaster emergency protocol. What's that? It's like just give everybody a helmet, and you got two stages: <laughs> no helmet and put on the helmet. <laughs> it's time for a helmet. Uh, I, I, I like simple binary systems. That's, I love that guy. I haven't seen that guy in a long time. All right, we'll get out of here. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time. See ya. You can find The Whole Truth and subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. We'd love it if you took the time to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. It helps others find the show. And for more episodes of The Whole Truth, go to www.touchstoneinvestments.com slash the whole truth. That's touchstoneinvestments.com slash the whole truth. All one word. Please note that this content was created as of the specific date indicated and reflects views as of that date. 
It will be kept solely for historical purposes and opinions may change without notice in reacting to shifting economic, market, business, and other conditions. Touchstone funds are distributed by Touchstone Securities Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer and member FINRA and SIPC.